Welcome to ESI Focus. I'm your host, Adam Fitch. I'm also the editor of Esports Insider. On today's episode of ESI Focus, in which um, we're keeping within the apparel theme for the first block of four episodes, I'm joined by Matt Shaw, who has a fancy title, but he is the esports lead at Puma, obviously a giant sportswear brand, which has been competing for the past six months or so with Adidas and Nike to really establish itself as the leading sportswear brand in the esports industry. So with Matt, um, we discussed a lot, and I don't want to ruin it all, but we, we definitely got into how Puma decided to enter the industry and why, how the brand chooses its partners, uh, having um, entered deals with the likes of Cloud9 and Gen.G in recent times, um, and where, where he sees the future of performance when it comes to esports and apparel. So without any further ado, I'll get straight into the episode. Thank you very much for joining us. If you have any suggestions, whether it be new platforms or topics for future blocks of ESI Focus, then please do reach out to me. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Matt, thank you so much for joining me on ESI Focus. This batch of episodes, we're discussing apparel, and it, uh, it just felt right to make sure that um, Puma were involved in this, obviously, with the moves you're making in eSports at the moment. It, it makes complete sense. So just thank you for taking the time to speak to us here. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a, a great roster that you have lined up, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Thank you. Oh, of, of course. And I, I kind of want to ask perhaps quite an ignorant question. It's something I could find out if I just go on LinkedIn, no doubt. But uh, I'd rather hear it hear it straight from yourself. So, like, how did you get involved with, like, the eSports side of Puma? Was, was it uh, a tailor-made role and you uh, got involved that way, or were you already involved in the company and enlightening them to eSports and gaming? Kind of how did that go? So I come from the digital marketing side. Uh, I had a lot of years in uh, in agency service. Um, so uh, Puma was one of my clients, actually. Um, and uh, it came to be that, um, you know, uh, eventually I decided I wanted to leave the agency side. And I called up my friends at Puma and they were like, yeah, of course, we need more digital marketing expertise uh, always. So, uh, so come on board. So I started off in a digital marketing role. Uh, and I was about six months into that when our um, CMO came over to my desk. Um, I sat right outside of his office. He came over to my desk and he said, hey, listen, um, our CEO asked me what we're doing in esports, so you go figure out what we're doing in esports. And uh, that's sort of uh, how things got got started. Now, I was thrilled by that because I had spent the past you know, five, six years trying to convince my other clients on the digital marketing side and the agency side that they should get into esports or at least start paying attention to it, right? Um, so to have someone proactively in a position of power come to me and say, um, you know, hey, let's let's uh, investigate this. I was thrilled. I, you know, brought up all of my old notes. I uh, was able to sort of hit the ground running. Um, and uh, and uh, sort of the, the rest is history there, right? It started with a five-page deck and, um, and you know, five PowerPoint slides turned into, you know, a, a, a whole new job for me. So, um, yeah, so uh, it, it was sort of a, a little bit by uh, by happenstance, a little bit by coincidence, but uh, right place, right time, I guess. And and how do you go about approaching it, right? Because obviously, a, a giant mm-hmm. brand in the world of sports, but but um, there are already like endemic companies within esports, right? There's a I, I don't want to reel off a list of competitors or anything, but obviously, as, as we yeah. are nations and and ultimate and and stuff, you know, already, and then like uh, and then there's Nike and Adidas and stuff already kind of involved, I believe, at that point as well. Uh, maybe not Nike actually. 
it may be closest to when you like both entered entered the space but like how how do you go about approaching it because you could just go in and just chuck tons of money at something but as we know in esports you have to do things the right way or else it just won't quite land right no you're 100% right and that was one of our key sensitivities in trying to enter this market we understood that our consumer was paying more and more attention to uh, to esports and had been you know obviously gamers for a long time um, so the question was, how does a brand like ours make a meaningful impact, right? And that's a really important question that we ask ourselves a lot about all of our various business um, business endeavors is that, you know, we, we don't want to just be a brand that makes stuff for niche consumers, right? What we want to do is provide value. We want to drive culture, right? We want to do things that are, uh, are meaningful to uh, a specific set of consumers because we believe that that is the way that a brand like ours wins, right, long-term. Um, so, of course, we didn't want to just jump in and throw a whole ton of money at it because, you know, obviously we, we, we could do that, right? But, um, but there are a couple of, uh, you know, bigger competitors that could do the exact same thing and have deeper, deeper pockets than us. So we lose in that situation. Um, so what we did, we started off uh, doing some pretty extensive research. We spent about six months um, sort of going around uh, the world. We made stops in Korea and in Europe and then in the U.S., obviously, in Latin America. Um, and and had conversations with consumers, right? We, in fact, we we hired a team of anthropologists to go uh, and, and talk to consumers and figure out what it was that drove them, uh, for, like what what their interests were, what was what motivated them in gaming and in esports um, specifically. Um, and we we figured out that there were you know a, a couple of key areas that a brand like ours could focus on and and drive meaningful value. Um, and the insights that we got from that research, sort of, uh, they, they, they built, they formed the foundation of our sort of key strategic pillars um, that we plan on pursuing for the next, you know, three, four, five years. And you've seen some of the, the results of that already in the partnerships that we've made and some of the product that we're putting into market. Um, you know, the, the, all of the things that we're doing are motivated first by what we're hearing from consumers and second by um, what we stand for as a brand and, and what um, you know that the kinds of impacts that we're trying to make and and would you say like um the enhancement of performance is is one of those key areas of uh, expertise and interest for you when it comes to esports yeah absolutely we are a sports brand right and we see esports as a sport full stop um, so of course, yes, we are going to uh, we're going to ensure that um, part of the the total value that we're creating for esports athletes um, is uh, creating performance apparel, performance footwear, um, and uh, and you know and forming partnerships with relevant IP owners to help um, to help uh, athletes perform better. Right, that's what we do across all of our business units, whether it's basketball or uh, or team sport. You know, we're getting into handball. Like there's there are a variety of sports that we're into, but it's always um, our, our, our drive for performance is um, is very important to us, right? We are we need to make sure that we're adding value um, from a uh, from a technical standpoint for those athletes that want to perform at their best. Um, so yes, absolutely, that's part of our strategic uh, uh, foundation going forward. And and do you think there's an element of like um, ex experimenting and, and innovating on on the esports performance side because Unlike in sports, like many sports have been around for a long, long, long time, esports is kind of in its nascent, kind of formative stage still, in my opinion. And um, with that as a, as a whole, a, a kind of like a challenge to to unlocking 
how how to improve and increase and optimize performance in esports through the use of, of particular gear and, and what you wear and and people are dabbling their toes in, in how to improve that but I, I don't feel like we're kind of at the pinnacle of that just yet Oh, no, I would say we're far from it, right? If you look at the performance apparel that has been designed for esports athletes to date, what you're looking at, generally speaking, are poly tees or, you know, effectively, they're, they're uh, garments that were designed for other sports, right? For soccer, for, you know, we've seen baseball jerseys, we've seen, you know, uh, hockey hoodies, we've seen a, a variety of different things, right? But none of them were ever created specifically for the esport athlete, right? So what we do at Puma is we take a look at the unique performance situations of each of our athletes, no matter what sport they're playing, and ask ourselves, all right, if we were to design, if we were to wrap a garment around um, this athlete as he or she is performing, um, what does that garment look like, right? Um, and um, that, as far as I can tell, and I might be wrong about this, but as far as I can tell, that hasn't been done in esports yet, right? And um, that's, you know, it, it's so critical for us to be able to, um, to, to show that we understand what the esport athlete is going through, what the stresses are on their body as they're performing, um, what they're thinking about, what distracts them when they're performing from an apparel standpoint. Um, we, we have to do all of that research in order for us to even begin to make the claim that, you know, hey, esport athlete, we understand you. Um, so again, you know, we, we've um, undertaken a uh, you know a, a relatively large research project. I'm sitting down with individual athletes, um, with with some of our uh, our esports uh, organization partners as well, um, to to fully understand how athletes train, how they perform, what they're thinking about, um, and uh, and what we can do uh, from an apparel standpoint to make their performance better, or at very least make them more comfortable while they're performing. Um, so there are, I can't talk too much about what it is that we're going to be putting in market just yet. Um, but over the course of the next year or so, you'll see some innovations come from Puma um, that very much speak to uh, to the results of that research and to uh, to our standpoint as a brand as to what it is, how we want to drive value there. That makes complete sense, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you've got you got cooked up. But um, so so when it comes to partnering with with team organisations, right, uh, which we will get into, I kind of want to discuss those partnerships a bit. I assume more than just popularity is at play when it comes to deciding and forging such deals. Um, w- would you say that ensuring like a high standard of play and like having like the elite players is important when when you look at a potential partner to work with? Because obviously. Uh, well, I say obviously, it, it may be completely wrong. I, I'm I've not kind of gone into this side of of, of performance and research, whereas um, you guys obviously have. But do do you find that you need the highest standard of play possible to to really optimize for the players, or does does that level not matter? And and how does that play into who you decide to partner with? Well, I think there are different levels, right? So in terms of who we partner with, right, we focus on partnering with organizations that, you know, do meet a certain standard of performance, um, but also that reflect our brand values, right? So we are very much, um, we want to make sure that anything that we say as a company, as a brand, any value that, um, that, that we choose to amplify at any given time, um, our partners can help us amplify, right? So, 
Um, so, you know, it, it, the partnerships that we've signed to date, um, they are all very high performing organizations, certainly, but really the thing that drew us to them um, is their ability to help us tell the stories that we want to tell in the market, right, that reflect the values that we have that, um, you know, that, that uh, see the world a certain way, if you want to say it that way. Um, and um, and that's that's really really important to us. Um, in, in terms of um, you know the product that we create for each of those organizations, I would say that we take a, um, a, a similar approach to each organization in that we ask the organization what it is that they need, right? What their objectives are, how they you know want to be perceived in the market, um, and um, and ask you know what are the assets that Puma has uniquely that can help them achieve those things, right? So in some cases, you know, we'll, um, we'll, we'll do crossovers with some of our other Puma ambassadors in the music space or the entertainment space. Um, if, if, you know, if brand perception is a big, uh, you know, a big key um, focus for our esports organizations. Um, for those who just want to be perceived as a high performing organization, then of course we focus uh, on, you know, on, on uh, our, our performance assets. Um, in you know the jerseys, the kits that we're developing, but also in some of the other products that we're um, you know that we're giving to those clubs, um, and uh, you know and, and the, the other assets. And so it really depends on on the unique relationship uh, between uh, us and our uh, our organizations as to exactly how we activate. If that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense, and I, I kind of want to get into the, the entrance into esports and it was through like a split pacific uh specific deal with cloud nine right mm. um like what what were you looking for there where, where it was like okay we're going to partner for this split and we're going to see how it goes presumably that's that's what was said and what was agreed upon like what what kind of indicators were you looking for what 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 did you need to say okay this is worthwhile us really investing into things and expanding and extending this this deal and and partnering with with further organizations down the line yeah i mean i, I think that we knew from the outset that um you know our partnership with cloud9 would uh, end up being a long term one right i think that from a timing perspective um you know there there were certain things that we needed to commit to that were going to take us a little bit more time to actually commit to. And we didn't want to lose the opportunity to, you know, to be a part of that brand and have to tell those stories um, at the beginning of that split, right? So we signed a short-term short -term deal with Cloud9 um, that allowed us to, you know, to, to sort of build up a working relationship and understand how each organization works and, you know, give us, give both of us um, a little bit of freedom to, um, to say, hey, this works, this doesn't. Um, but ultimately, I think that there was, you know, there, there, there was very little doubt in my mind that we were going to, you know, sign a long-term deal. It was just for the sake of convenience that we signed a, a split-specific deal, um, first with uh, their League of Legends team and then with their CSGO team, right? Um, that larger deal that we, uh, that we signed uh, later on that year um, was, was almost, almost inevitable, but uh, definitely those first couple of months helped shape how that relationship, um, you know, uh, looked uh, ultimately. But, um, I mean... It, it, I, I don't want to give the impression that it was, you know, we we were dipping our toe in and testing the water, right? We were we were committed. It was just that the way the our ability to commit long term just took a little bit longer than we um, than we had, we had anticipated. So we signed a short term deal, and you know, in the meantime. Okay, that makes sense. And and you're also partnered with with Gen G, which was announced quite recently, right? I, w I want to ask a little bit about that, and then Order as well, um, like Oceanic organization. Am I correct in that? Mm -hmm. Uh, and yep, are there right. any other deals in place? I think there's one more that that you reminded me of on Twitter not too long ago that I've forgotten. 
Yeah, there are two actually. There's um, okay. XCOM EGO out of Poland, and there's Footballist out of Turkey. Um, and uh, with with all of those, um, so the, the Cloud9 deal was signed with our global organization. Um, each of the other um, sponsorships that we have are signed with our regional organization. So they effectively said, hey, this team is really relevant to us. Um, we would like to sign a deal with them. We helped from a central point of view, um, help them organize their contracts and figure out, you know, how best to use the big Puma machine to satisfy that, um, the, the, satisfy the obligations for that partnership. So, um, yeah, very excited to see, you know, interest not just at the, at the global level, right, our CMO and our CEO, but also to have that interest reflected um, at the, the regional level um, is, is fantastic to see as well. And, and ju- just to give like a, a- real good understanding of what that means what was the difference between say fitch esports partners with with pumas like global entity and then esi esports insider partners on a regional level like what what's the difference there how, how will things differ in those deals well, it's just a matter of um, of where product is sold effectively, right? Cloud9, we're gonna we, our ambitions are to sell this product globally, and you, you'll see um, global availability for Cloud9 product in uh, later this year. Um, for each of the other um, organizations, you know, the, the way that they work with those uh, those teams is uh, much more on a regional level, right? We want to make sure that we're communicating to a uh, an audience that is, you know, that is tuned into esports, but who might not look at Cloud9 and say, hey, you know, they're the, the most relevant team in my region, right? So in, you know, in Poland and in Turkey uh, and in Korea, you know, while there's certainly um, a, uh, you know, a, a certainly visibility for Cloud9, it's a known brand. Um, there are other brands, I think, that um, that the, the local teams can activate with a little bit easier um, and, uh, and and can help tell their stories a little bit better, again, depending on their, their regional objectives, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the difference really is just is the scale, um, but also, um, you know, the, the, uh, how relevant each, um, each organization is to the region and, and what they're trying to achieve. And are you involved in all deals, even if it goes through like a, a, a regional basis as opposed to global? Would would you like oversee everything there? Well, so yes, <laughs> yes and no. Um, what I'll say is that there are um, there are some regional teams that um, have very big ambitions um, that need the, the support of our sort of global machine. Um, and, uh, and of course, you know, our machine is, is here to help all of our regions. Um, but, um, but there are some, uh, relationships that can be handled at the local level, um, that re- result in, you know, relatively simple, you know, jerseys, tees, hoodies, that kind of thing that the global team doesn't necessarily need to get involved with. Right. So while my job is to provide sort of the strategic guidance for how Puma wants to be perceived, um, to gaming and esports uh, consumers. And um, and our regional teams will sort of go and, and execute that. Um, so uh, it's not as though I'm leading a global esports team. I'm uh, simply uh, I'm providing the strategy and the framework for uh, for our regional teams to go do, um, you know, what they need to do to make sure that they're achieving their objectives. Okay, that that, that makes sense. And uh, so sorry if it's like an intrusive question there. I just I just want to get like the best understanding <laughs> okay. possible for those listening. You know, and, and for myself as well. I mean, I don't, no, don't, don't want to act like I know it all, but um, and I, I kind of mentioned earlier that uh, competition is, from like the sports world is also in esports. Um, and, and while I'm definitely not asking you to, to big them up, like, do do you think that um, there's there's any way of of you not like Puma as a whole, I guess, not being the leading sports brand in esports? 
do you do you see that as like a, a done deal or do you think that um other other sports brands uh have, have a lot of potential in what they're doing and and you can tell like with, with nike for example the partnerships it's made over the past say six months or so like how would you kind of assess that do you think it's an easy competition for years and you've got it on lock or um like paying attention closely to what else is happening Here's what I'll say on that, right? I, I'm very excited that there are a number of big sort of AAA brands that are investing in this space. I think that there is a, you know, from my point of view, a rising tide, you know. Um, so I, I think uh, I, I'm very excited to see sort of what the level of investment that we're seeing, how that, you know, how that shapes the next five years of the industry. Um, I, I think, you know, Puma is obviously going to have a big part of, um, you know, the, the esports and the, the gaming apparel space. Uh, going forward, I can't speak to what other uh, other companies are doing. Um, if, if I'm sort of focused on the things that we can do, right, and the, the value that we can provide. And I'm sure that uh, there are other companies that are doing the same. Um, I, I like I say, five years from now, the landscape is going to be wildly different, right? And I think that it will become an unimpeachable fact that if you are a sports brand and you're not investing in the esports space, you're missing something, right? You're missing an opportunity to connect with the demographic. You're missing um, a, an opportunity to, to, you know, activate and show your brand values in a way that's very, very meaningful. Um, and honestly, I, I mean, at five, five years from now, ignoring esports or, or uh, you know, or not participating in esports is going to be sort of like, you know, what not participating in the internet is today, right? I think that that's the, the sort of level of growth that we're seeing from this from this industry um and uh, and it will be expected of all of us that uh, you know that, that we'll have a, a unique uh, sort of value proposition in this space certainly and and, and fair play but in, in terms of like so in in five years like things will be very different i agree and, and at the moment it's not just my opinion i, th- I think it's got a, kind of like a, um, a widely held opinion at this point that esports fans are quite spoiled or they get a lot for free depending on how you want to look at it right so they can watch things for free they get all their entertainment for free they can follow people for free like they can enter giveaways competitions like if you want to you can be a fan of a team and and never pay a single dime and, and 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 get access to basically everything and obviously if you're in like the product business you're looking to sell things to these people to to this demographic like does that does that worry you at all? Or have you seen like a good conversion so far? Like, uh, like does that that kind of dispels that that perspective? Um, because th- there's been some stats put out there as to how valuable the average esports fan is compared to say like an NFL fan or a football fan, and like the, the disparity there is insane. Though esports is of course a, a younger industry. Yeah, I mean, I, so I'm not concerned, right? I think that, interestingly, the esports model sort of follows a freemium model where, you know, of course, there is a huge base of fans that may never pay a dollar, um, you know, to, to me or to any esports organization. Um, and frankly, I'm okay with that, right? At the end of the day, what we are, like the product that we are providing to esports athletes and to fans is um, is a tribal uniform. And either you want to wear it or you don't. Right. Um, and uh, there are enough people out there, I think, that like to wear their fandom on their sleeves. And you see it, you know, uh, in the, 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 you know, at the merch booths, the conventions, and you see them at tournaments. Right. There are enough people who uh, who really take that as part of their core identity um, that uh, I'm not worried about whether or not, you know, the, the vast majority of people will ever buy a, you know, a Cloud9 T-shirt or a Gen.G T-shirt. Right. Um, I, I think that the, the more important part 
for us is making sure that what we are doing is resonating with um, with those consumers, right? What I mean by that is creating activations, creating content, creating um, you know experiences that um, fans can engage with that are uh, meaningful, that that do something for them that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get from you know from either the organization that they're following or from a brand like ours. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm not. <laughs> What, what I'll say is that, yeah, you can consume content for free, right? And you can even consume our experiences for free. What I want to do is make sure that those experiences are as great as they can be. So that the next time that you're in, you know, a mall store, you're in a Foot Locker, for example, um, and you're looking at a wall of shoes, um, you know, you see a Puma shoe and that means something to you, right? Um, that you're creating that kind of brand connection because we have done something that is that is meaningful here. So I might never sell you a Cloud9 t-shirt, but I might sell you, you know, a Puma Rider, for example, later on down the line because you have that that um, that, that positive brand association. Of course, it's impossible for us to, to track that kind of thing. But frankly speaking, we, we do a lot of that kind of thing, right? We that's part of the reason why we are, um, you know, so involved with uh, the musicians that we're involved with, for example, right? Not to sell musician branded stuff, but to create positive brand associations to to do things that are meaningful. Um, that drive culture, right? That's what we're about. We are, uh, of course, a product company, but at the end of the day, we're about driving culture, right? We're about doing things that are meaningful and amplifying the voices um, that, uh, that that share those uh, those values. Um, and um, and that's what we're trying to do here, right? Um, you know, of course, I want everyone to go out and buy all of the stuff that we produce because we spend a lot of time and care and effort into into producing it, um, and and it's great stuff, right? It's market leading stuff. Um, but uh, but ultimately, what I really want is for you to think of Puma as a brand that is like you. It's for someone like you, right? Um, and that that's the most important thing to me, right? Is to convey that you know we see you, we hear you, um, we value the same things that you do. Um, and our, our apparel is one part of that, but all of the other things that we do um, uh, sort of form that that entire picture. Okay, and pardon my ignorance, but have you done any of those like? non-apparel based like, activations in esports so far if so i'd love for you to just uh like uh run us down what what, what you did because i'm very interested in that stuff yeah of course so um again we're sort of new to the space so we're uh, figuring out exactly what those uh, those activations are right for, from a content perspective i mean what we've done so far is a whole lot of ads right we're we're sponsoring some of the, co- the content that cloud nine is putting out um, and, um, and, and, you know, and we're, we're doing small things, right? But as a brand, we have the opportunity to do things that are, are much bigger than that. Um, and while I can't point to any instances where we're actively doing those kinds of things, uh, it will be very clear in the, the coming months and years that uh, exactly what it is that we're talking about, the kinds of experiences that we're, we're looking to create there. No, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I wasn't trying to throw you under the bus there. It's just there's a lot goes on. No, and, okay. and <laughs> my, my job is to literally stay on top of the entire industry. And as you can imagine, that, that's not the easiest thing to do sometimes. So I do miss little bits and bobs. I just thought I'd um, ask because, no, it's, it's really interesting that while, while of course, the, the end goal is to sell products, like there's, there's a lot that goes on there and, and it might not be we're looking for direct conversions right now. As you say, like brand affinity can uh, di- like help you with that further down the line and it may not be the exact, um, like the, the product for um cloud nine for example if you activate through those it might not be that product that you sell but it could be because of that so that makes complete sense and uh, in terms of um so we've discussed like performance but then there's also uh, like casual wear as well do do you have like um 
any kind of thoughts on the difference between those and and how they'll be reacted to differently by the consumers and and fans of these teams? Well, I think every team that we partner with has a different perception of how they want their fans uniform to look right. Um, you, you obviously you want to make sure that the values that are the, the sort of the, the cultural point of view that you hold as an organization is reflected in your fan base. And one of the ways, one of the many ways that you can do that um, is through the apparel that you're offering. Right. And that's the way that we sort of approach this with our uh, esports organization partners. Um, we, we ask them, you know, what is, what is it that you stand for, right? When you um, look at a piece of apparel, you know, without knowing, you know, w- without knowing a ton about esports, how do you want to convey um, the values of your organization um, through the, the apparel that your fans are wearing? And for every team, that's a little bit different, right? Um, and, and we expect that, we understand that. Um, and uh, what, what I'm really excited to see is that in the marketplace, you're starting to see different expressions of brand identity through apparel. There are a lot of teams that are doing it really well. Um, you know, I, I always bring up the 100 Thieves example. I think Liquid is doing a, a, a good job of it. Um, you know, but, um, but what we're trying to do at, uh, for, for Cloud9, what we'll try to do for Gen.G uh, going forward, um, it is understand you know a little bit about what it is that um, what what it is that drives um, those brands right what it is that they want to stand for um, and making sure that uh, that those values are reflected in the apparel that we offer um, to our uh, to, to their consumers right um, so for example um, you know for cloud nine um, you know diversity um, and gender equality are really really important things so one of the first things and, and those are values that we at Puma share as well. So one of the first things that we did was was say, all right, you know, we're, we'll design, you know, your your fanware, um, but we're also going to design a line uh, or a segment off of a portion of this that's specifically designed for women, right? So we'll uh, you know, leggings, crop tops, crop hoodies, um, you know, things that are on trend, on style, um, that if they didn't say Cloud9 would still be fashionable pieces that we think the Cloud9 fans would wear. Um, so we, we put a lot of focus into that. Um, we will continue to do that. Um, you know, so, uh, so that's sort of one way that that kind of thing is, uh, is coming to life. Um, there are a lot of other ways for us to push as well. Um, you know, uh, in, in terms of how, uh, the brand wants to be perceived, if they want to be perceived as innovative, then of course we can go down an innovation path, uh, even with our lifestyle stuff. Um, if they want to be perceived as, you know, fashion forward, then of course we, we, we keep to, uh, on-trend silhouettes. Um, you know, if they're really just looking for something basic, something understated, or, you know, uh, there, there are certain teams that, um, you know, that, uh, favor or, or that one of their, their real values is sustainability. We have uh, offerings for any of those things, right? Um, and we, uh, we're, we're able to help craft lines that, uh, again, reflect the values of our, uh, of the organization. So that, that's, the, the the approach that we take to um, to designing uh, lifestyle apparel as to performance apparel really is about how we can um, how we can latch on to something that the organization really believes in uh, and a value that we share um, and bring that to life um, in in garment construction garment design um, and and how we market it certainly and and how collaborative is the process um, uh, both lifestyle wise and performance wise with with like the partners because obviously puma is is the big dog in this when it comes to apparel and and merchandise and and clothing right so surely you would take the lead on that but then obviously you want to keep the essence of what makes the partner special and then please their fans so like how how symbiotic is that relationship when it comes to actually developing a new line 
Oh, it's hugely collaborative. In fact, it's one of the, the core values that we have at, uh, at, at Puma. Our esports business is uh, absolutely grounded on the bedrock of collaboration, right? We are a sports brand. We're very, you know, uh, we've been around for a very long time, right? We know what we know, but esports has not been around. I mean, in the way that it's around now, it has not been around for, for, for a, a long time. And certainly we as a brand have not been paying attention to it for a very long time, right? Um, so uh, we, we're we very clear, we don't know what we don't know, right? We don't know um, exactly what's going to work for the esports consumer apart from what we've gathered through research, right? Um, and we rely a lot on uh, esports organizations to help us understand what it is that's meaningful to them, what it is that's meaningful to their fans, what their uh, you know their their history as brand is, um, and you know and all of the little things that make every sports organization special. We absolutely have to rely on uh, on our organization partners um, to to help us identify those things that are that are truly truly meaningful. Um, so uh, the very first thing we do is we ask we ask our organizations for a brief, right? We ask them um, to, to tell us, you know, what they want to see. Now, of course, we take that brief back and we say, all right, well, what's trend relevant um, from like a colors perspective? What's um, you know what, what's going to work? What's not going to work? Um, you know, from a silhouette perspective, you know, what uh, what, what styles are, are uh, you know in right now, or what styles convey what it is that we want to say about this partnership and about this organization. Um, and you know, and we go through a whole sort of design process that, but but it starts from interpreting the brief that our um, that our organizations um, come to us with, right? And then from that point, we'll come back with initial ideas. We'll go back and forth, um, you know, in a design process. They'll tell us what they like, what they don't like. Um, and at the end of it, what we come to is a uh, you know a collection that um, is from a design from a product standpoint, right? From a uh, a, a sportswear industry standpoint, um, something that's super super solid, but also rooted in um, the insights that we gather from our uh, organizations about what's meaningful um, to their audience and to their brand. So. Um, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely, 100% it's collaborative. Uh, and that goes not just for product, but also for marketing as well, right? So when we're talking about how we want to position this, the words that we want to use, the language that, um, you know, the, the visual language that we're uh, using to describe uh, this product and the brand, um, you know, we're, we're very, very hands-on collaborative with, uh, with our partners as well and, and bringing that stuff to life. Um, we, we have to be, right? We have to be because we still have so much to learn here. Um, and it would it, it would make very little sense for us to to just think that we know everything, right? And, um, and 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 throw you know a generic sort of streetwear look onto the marketing materials that we've designed for um, you know for, for a particular collection when that's not the thing that's going to resonate most with uh, with that audience. Awesome, that, that that's great. It's a really good insight into how things are done because I don't know. It's 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 easy to think that oh well well. They're, they're the big brand they know exactly what they're doing so they, they take the complete lead it's, it's nice to know that it's a, it's a truly like collaborative and, and cooperative effort as such and i want to as we like um get near the end of this episode i this isn't entirely relevant to like sports brands and sportswear but it's something i want to get your take on anyway because i think it's interesting uh, and it's it's like a luxury clothing right we're, we're, in the past say year is we've had like Armani, Louis Vuitton, and, and now Gucci getting into the industry. Do you think there's really a space for them? Like as I said earlier, like it's there's a lot of people who enjoy and watch esports that are reluctant to spend money. Never mind, say a thousand dollars on a watch or 
five hundred dollars on a t-shirt, for example. Like, do you think there's room for that? Well, I think that there's probably room for all kinds of consumers here, right? Again, you know, I don't think that the penetration of um, esports into all of the different sort of demographies are is is one hundred percent complete yet. And I think that again watching some of these luxury brands um you know sort of start to stake their claims there um really does a ton for the industry overall in fact i think that that you could probably manufacture that consumer to a certain degree right where if you are um you know there are in the sportswear industry we sort of call them we would call them hype beasts right there are some uh, some people who will line up outside of stores at five o'clock in the morning uh, or earlier to uh, you know to, to get their hands on something that's exclusive, right? I, I, that consumer exists in esports for sure, right? I'm 100% sure that the luxury consumer exists in esports for sure. Um, but I also think that um, because there is a luxury sort of label attached to some of the things that we're seeing uh, in in um, you know esports. Um, that you're, you have the potential to draw a fan, you know, who's, who has maybe been somewhat curious about esports previously, more deeply into the fabric of, excuse the pun, into the fabric of, uh, of the, you know, of the esports landscape. And, um, and that's something that's really exciting to me as well, right? And one of the reasons why I'm excited to be a non-endemic, right, is because I, I, I have this, um, the, this earnest belief that the thing that will put esports over the top is the association between the things that um, that you know that, that people already are passionate about um, and this uh, and and this you know sports world that is hugely vibrant um, that is you know interactive that as you said you can consume this stuff for free right the, the access to this uh, the, to the, the the amount of content that you have in esports is just um, is totally unparalleled in any in any sports industry so uh, or in, any, in any sports category so um, I, I think that the more that brands like mine the more that luxury brands um, can can sort of cross pollinate a little bit. Um, um, the, the more we're going to start to see an influx of people from uh, from you know from consumer areas that we might not have expected, right? So um, so I'm I'm excited to see how you know the the thousand dollar watch uh, will get people interested and excited in esports, and I think ultimately everyone benefits from that. Yeah, I, I have like a bit of a a half half jokey theory that most of the audience in esports that um, will lap up all of the the luxury items that come out at the moment are the players themselves like if you look at the overwatch league for example like uh, like um there's a lot of really stylish players there and, and um they're all wearing their balenciagas and stuff like the shoes that lift them up 17 foot off the ground because that's what's in at the moment and very much mm-hmm. hype beastie you know and i kind of feel like We'll probably see the fanatic watch on many of them when they're not representing their team. You know, like if you just went out and caught them on the street, they'd be wearing something that's both esports and luxury. It seems like that kind of it's it's already blending together there as well. It's just as the esports audience grows up and they get like because say if it's a thirteen-year-old fan, they're not going to have much disposable income. But say when they get older, like ten years on, perhaps they've got a a well-paying job or they've saved up and they can afford. Oh my god, I really want the the new. Puma Cloud Nine collection, or I really want this watch by a designer and a team. Like I, I think at that point, it'll be really interesting to see see where things go. And it's just at the moment, so it seems at least like the audience isn't entirely that young. But there's a lot to come from the people that are that young at the moment. And uh, in ten years, as you say, like where the industry will be compared to where it is now, 
there's a lot of potential there at least. I don't want to jinx it and say it will be a lot bigger, but you'd, you'd have to imagine it will be. So I, I think it'll be really interesting just watching things going forward, obviously from yourselves and every, everybody else getting into and, and kind of planting their flag in the apparel side of, of esports. 